I want to ask you a question. Have you ever got a, a card from a friend, and it's one of those kind of cards that, that lets, them, lets you know um, what it feels like for them to have you in their life? You ever kind of get, like, this is what it feels like to have you in my life. And maybe they, they might tell you that they appreciate the strength that you bring them, or they appreciate uh, the joy that you bring them, or maybe the corny laughs that you bring them. And they just kind of write this card to you and let you know what it feels like for them to have you involved in their life. And as we've been walking through Psalm 23 this summer, in the last couple of weeks, we were just encouraged to hear from John Wayne a couple of weeks ago, and then Daria Nardosa last week. I've been getting this sense that Psalm 23 is a little bit away, a little bit like David, David letting us know what it feels like or what it means to have God in his life. And that's partly what I hope our experience is as we're growing through this psalm, that we can begin to immerse ourselves in this psalm and begin to feel and experience and know, and maybe we need to know it first before we experience, what it means when God is our shepherd and we're under his care. And today we hit uh, just one more line in the psalm that kind of wraps up the middle of the psalm. And it's a, it's a unique phrase. It's verse 5, halfway through, that says, that David says these words, speaking directly in the first person to God, or third person. You anoint my head with oil, he says. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And if you think about the last couple of weeks, verses 4 and 5 together, David says, you know, even though he walks through the darkest valley, he will fear no evil because God is with him. His rod and his staff, they comfort him. He says that, tells God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so as David wraps up this middle section, this thought right in the middle is letting us know, I think, what he feels like to be sitting at God's table, kind of metaphorically, with the shepherd present in his life, underneath or under the shepherd's care. And then this line, you anoint my head with oil. I don't know about you, but it kind, sounds kind of strange. Like it's a very non-modern image. We got some teenagers here in the room too. Have, has anybody ever anointed you with oil at school? Any ceremonial? Th- no? Okay, cool. Just checking. And so who gets anointed with oil anymore? I mean, I don't mean when, you know, the biblical way of praying for someone and sometimes in that way, but this kind of um, big ceremonial way. I mean, I'll digress in this because I grew up in an Italian home and when someone broke something, an older grandmother would pull out some oil and kind of like immerse that, you know, the knee or the arm with oil. One day my sister, she, she had a skiing accident and she came home and we weren't sure if it was sprained or broken or hurt. We think it was slightly sprained while well, my grandmother pulled out some oil, put it on her leg. We think by the end of that procedure, my grandmother broke her leg and she, I think was only sprained, but then she had to go to the hospital. That's not the good kind of anointing with oil. But let me get serious here. That image might feel foreign to us. And yet, it's very vivid in David's mind. You anoint my head with oil. There's something uh, beautiful and important about that. So first thing is, in the ancient world, if you walked into a home and as a guest, it's very likely that you would be anointed with oil in some way, shape, or form. It'd be the way that the people in the home would be saying, welcome home. You're welcomed here. You're an honored guest in this place. You have a seat at our table, and we're so glad that you were here. And we want you to feel like this is your home. 
Kenneth Bailey, when he talks about how David writes this psalm in this specific line, he comes to, wants to help us understand, and he says it this way, no stone is left unturned in the host's effort to assure the guest was welcomed, honored, and beloved. So somehow, David's relationship and experience with God helps him or makes him feel this way. And in a similar way, think about a shepherd and a sheep. Shepherd did not see the sheep as just a commodity. They were prized possessions, prized parts of, of, the sheep's, of, of the shepherd's life and well-being. And he loved these sheep. And God does not see you or me as a pawn, just a pawn in history or a pawn in his plan. But he genuinely welcomes us into this covenant relationship with him. And he invites us into that's one of the images of anointing with oil. There's another image that a shepherd would have had, and it's connected to this idea of the sheep. So you get this common practice for shepherds. If, if sheep were entering a terrain or maybe a season during the year where there was just an increased amount of insects, the, sh- the shepherd would have to prepare the sheep for it. Have you ever gone camping in June or walked through the forest after it rained and you forgot mosquito repellent and you left with a thousand bites? That's like a glimpse of what sheep would feel going through terrain or a season when there was an increased amount of insects that would love to get at the sheep. And the sheep would go nuts in this environment. They did not know how to handle themselves. And you would too. I mean, if, it was, if it's you or me in these moments, we're just so itchy and we don't know what to do. And these sheep would have this extreme um, kind of restlessness and they try and shake it off. And shepherds, if you speak to one or read about it, you get to understand that sheep would kind of go nuts in this moment. They'd bump into each other they'd run into walls, they'd run into ravines, anything they could do to kind of shake off the irritation, even the pain of getting bitten by these insects. Well, the shepherd would anoint the sheep with oil, would pour oil over their head and over their face and around their ears and down their neck. And this oil mixture would protect the sheep walking through this terrain, would protect the sheep walking through this season. And they would be able to walk through it without being paralyzed, without getting so restless that they just could not do anything. And I think about that for you and me sometimes. Is there a season, maybe this season, that you're walking through? Maybe parts of our culture, maybe things that distract us, that feel like they paralyze us or they obstruct us or they gnaw at us while we try and follow Christ in the middle of our world, while we try and be people of his kingdom versus instead of just the kingdom of this world. And God's presence covers us and immerses us and gets us through. I'm going to come back to that later. But that's part of the image here, as David's saying, you anoint my head with oil. But there's another image that's very connected to the, to the theme of Scripture. And it's not just in a matter of talking about sheep, but it's really a symbol of purpose. If you read through the Old Testament, you will have moments where you see scenes in the Old Testament where people are anointed with oil. And it, it reflects their calling and their vocation. It reflects their purpose and who they are. Often a priest or a prophet or a king would be anointed with oil to set them on the course of their calling or their vocation. Aaron, Moses' brother-in-law, was anointed with oil you know, into the priesthood. Different prophets were, different kings were. And there's this really cool scene when David, who writes this psalm, 
starts or kind of is launched into his new vocation as king. And at the time, Samuel was a prophet, and Israel had another king whose name was Saul, and Saul was not really doing the king job well. God's like, we need to make a shift here. He tells Samuel, and he, this is in Sam, 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. It's a great verse. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. This is God telling Samuel to do this. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So here's Samuel being sent to, to really launch or call David into being king. And he brings a horn or a container full of oil because when this happens, he's going to anoint David with oil. And David is anointed as king. And this oil is a symbol of, of God's calling and God's purpose, specifically in his life. Verse 13 is a great description of this where it tells us that from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. Something was happening in that moment, part of God's calling, but also God's equipping for what David was called to do. And we can understand that through the theme of Scripture as God's empowering presence for those who follow Jesus. I never forget, um, I was young and I was considering like my life and God's calling on my life and I was considering what it may, may be serving in ministry full time and I wrestled for four or five months just wondering, God, is this something you want me to do? Is this, is this the way you want to lead me in life? I was open to doing whatever. I had other career ideas in my mind and and I remember at the end of those four or five months, there was a moment, an evening. Actually, I was with my church community at the time. And I was at the end of my rope, rope and I'm like, God, I, I really long to know if this is your direction in my life. I remember just being with some friends praying and literally for 45 or 50 minutes just weeping before the Lord in God's presence. And there was no oil involved. <laughs> but it felt like this drenching of God's presence into this specific calling for my life. Now, I don't say that because I think only certain people are called to do ministry. I believe all of us are called in every different way to serve. But in that moment of my life, it just, there was this beautiful sense of God, just God's empowering presence. And there was something since then, just through my life and with my wife and my kids and, and whatever, wherever God has led us, that there was something that we just knew that God was leading us, God was guiding us, God was walking through things with us. David has this personal experience with oil, his anointing as king. He has this experience as a shepherd, probably pouring oil or a mixture of oil over his sheep. And he came to know God's purpose and God's protection in his life. And I'm sure some of us are wondering, like, well, what about me? Can, can I feel that? Is that something that God wants from me? I don't mean necessarily become a king or to have that kind of particular experience, but this sense of purpose and even God's presence with us. Well, the theme of anointing continues throughout the scripture. Jesus is actually one who fulfills the role of prophet, priest, and king, all three. And Jesus' official name, Jesus Christ, means the anointed one or the Messiah, and so Jesus, we have this, this, this sense as we walk through the scriptures, Jesus is anointed by God for a particular purpose. There's an amazing text where Jesus, uh, in Luke 4, Jesus walks into a synagogue, pulls out Isaiah's scroll. He reads it, and as he reads it, he reads this line, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus closes the scroll, says, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And in that moment, people are getting a clue that Jesus is anointed to fulfill God's purpose. Peter later tells us in Acts 10.38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We see this anointing continue in Jesus' life, his own purpose. But the New Testament goes a little bit further and lets us know that in some way we're all anointed. Followers of Jesus, those who trust Jesus, those of us who've put our faith in Christ, who are walking with Christ, are all anointed. It doesn't mean that we're exactly like Jesus. It doesn't mean that we have, you know, we, we have, you know, we're Jesus. But it means that the purpose and empowering presence of God is also meant for us. Now, I've got to be careful because some Christian leaders and some preachers will maybe want us to believe that we have this divine authority that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, and get anything we want just because we're God's kids. That's stretching the metaphor a little bit. But we are anointed. 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says this, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us. He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Just like David, we're, we're welcomed at God's table. Just like David, we're welcomed into a relationship with God. His spirit lives in our hearts. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll see just scattered moments of the spirit coming upon this person or this person or this person or this occasion. And then as Jesus rises from the grave and tells his disciples to wait for him, he says, wait, because the Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you to be my witnesses, all of you. And so there's this anointing for every person who follows Jesus. And we're meant to have that sense of what it feels like to sit at God's table, to have purpose, anointing, called, into a vocation, following Christ, being God's living and local presence, this vocation we inherit as image bearers. This vocation we also continue from Israel to be the light of the world. This vocation that, that, that the scriptures tell us we're empowered to be God's witnesses. And Jesus gives us a clue because he wants us to follow his, his mission, his pattern. To free the oppressed and give sight to the blind and, 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 and serve the poor and bring God's kingdom tangibly and in communication to those around us. To partner with God. The Bible tells us we're partners in the gospel. We have this purpose. But sometimes, and I'm sure you feel like this because I felt that sometimes we feel like we're walking through some kind of terrain or a forest after the rain and we've got no mosquito repellent and we're getting bit like crazy. Or sometimes we're going through a season where there's so many things coming at us and we're wondering if we're, as we follow Christ's purpose, as we follow the purposes that God leads us into, that he calls us into, will we be able to make it through these obstacles, these, these moments? And sometimes we feel paralyzed. I know there's moments, many moments over the last 20 or 30 years when I knew I was following God's call in my life, where I still felt paralyzed. I still felt moments like that. And yet, here's the beauty. Just like the sheep get anointed with oil to get them through those seasons, the Holy Spirit anoints us 
to get us through these moments in life that will want to paralyze us, that will want to hinder God's work in our lives. God's spirit is over us, and he protects us. He gets us through. And I think one of the questions that comes to me, and I'm sure comes to some of us, is like, well, what will sustain me? Will I have enough to get through this? Will I have enough tomorrow? Um, Will God provide in two weeks like you provided two weeks ago, next year? Will I have the resources for this calling? And I love the way David ends this, this line, this short little line. He says, my cup overflows. And it's, it's amazing. Whenever I, would, whenever I recite Psalm 23, I have this little, it's such a cheesy word to call it a chuckle. That's such a cheesy word. But I have this like laugh, this like, I don't know, this joyful thing that happens in my heart and my brain when I say, he anoints, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It's almost like something in me as I say that makes me feel like, oh, everything's going to be okay. God's, God's present. God's with me. And it's this beautiful reminder of God's provision. Not that God gives you everything you want. Just recently I heard um, a Christian preacher on the internet telling us that we should, you know, we got to believe for, you know, some of the best SUVs and best cars and best designer clothes. And I thought, I'm not sure if that's the way that God wants to provide for us. But he does provide. Because when God is our host, we have everything we need. When God is the host of the table, there's always enough. And it doesn't mean that we pursue the riches of this world as God's kids, but it does mean that, he, that we don't have to live with a scarcity men- mentality. God always carries us. Have you ever sat at a table, been invited to someone's house, when um, I call it like they're, they're, they're scarcity hosts? What I mean by that is they put just enough uh, on the table where there's four people there's four pieces of bread there's four people there's four little desserts and that's okay it's, it's, not, it's not bad but I come from this Italian background where like there's a lot of food and once, once I was sitting at somebody's table and, uh, and I'd say that they were maybe kind of like that, ho- that host but he, he was, it was interesting because it wasn't just that they had just enough but I could tell that people in their family were eyeing the food like like they wanted to make sure they got this piece and this portion and their favorite piece on the table. So I'm sitting there as like the guest, I'm thinking like, maybe I shouldn't eat. Like, you know what? I'm just gonna take this little piece off here and if you guys who've invited us here, you wanna take it, you can finish it. And it was a weird feeling. It felt so weird. It felt like there's not enough here for all of us. And it was a strange feeling. But then I've been at tables. I've been at tables where you can't eat fast enough to eat all the food on the table. There's just way more than enough for everybody. And even if you wanted to invite some friends over. And I think that's the kind of, not that, that, that we get everything we want, but the kind of sense of when we sit at God's table, there's always more than enough. Our cup overflows. And the beauty of that is it overflows to people around us, to people in our lives whether it's materially, emotionally, spiritually. And then the world looks and says, these are people who bless and who give and who are content and who don't stand beside the riches of the world and feel like they don't have anything, but feel that even what they do have, they feel freely to give it away. Not because they're wealthy, but because they sit at God's table knowing that we could never outgive God, that we can give freely and bless. I want to wrap up with just a, 
a reminder that I've been having lately in my own life personally with all these pieces I've shared today from this line. My brother um, has been going, and his wife and his kids have been going through a really difficult 18 months. It's been a tough season. Um, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with cancer um, over a year and a half ago, and she's gone through various chemo treatments over the last 18 months. People praying for them. As Christians as well, and us, we're just, we trust that God could intervene at any moment, do something miraculous. He has the power to do it. We believe in that. But I've also seen something beautiful in the middle of moments where healing hasn't happened or chemo hasn't gone so well or my sister-in-law had a very weak couple of weeks or you don't know what the next few days or next few weeks or next few months hold. And as I've been watching them, my brother, my sister-in-law, my niece and nephew, I've noticed something, that even in this season, they're living out God's purpose. And even in this season, they're empowered by God's presence. And even in this season, in the middle of uncertainty, I see them serving their local church and serving their neighbors and blessing people around them. And my brother particularly blessing his wife and his kids and my sister-in-law just being present even in her weakness for her kids to enjoy their their time together, their, their relationship. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, wait a second. Here's an example of people living out their purpose knowing God's walking them through that season and still, in a sense, living like their cup overflows, that others still get blessed, still get encouraged. And sometimes it's, it's, it's looking at a, a situation like that that reminds you that we don't need to look at only the successful or great times in our life to know that this is possible in Christ, that even in the most difficult times we're called, God leads us, God empowers us. And so I want to just encourage us today as, we're, as we're, we're coming to the end of this today. We, some of us feel like we're living in a season of uncertainty. I've talked to so many people that feel like they're anxious or stressed or not knowing what's coming next. And I just want to let you know as we close today, God still has called you into purpose, into a purpose. God is still protecting you. God is still providing. We sit at his table. There's more than enough. And we can be people who invite others to that table to know what it means to live under the shepherd's care. Let's take a moment and pray. And as we pray, we're just going to wrap up with Psalm, reading Psalm 23, as we want to do every week. And as I read it, maybe there's one of the lines that might speak to you in a specific way, and, or maybe how all this fits together and connects to the line we read today. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, our Heavenly Father, we just pause and um, I just pray for each and every one of us that we would be able to lean in to your empowering presence. None of us have to fake when times are bad or struggles are happening. God, may we never feel like we need to pretend to the world around us through Instagram feeds and Facebook posts or, uh, you know, just talking strongly in front of people to make it feel, look like we're doing always okay. But I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of ups or downs, struggles or successes, Lord, we would be able to know so deeply um, you're still calling us into purpose. You're still protecting us. You're still providing for us. God, may we trust that Jesus is leading us and guiding us and forming us into people, kingdom people, your kingdom people, that would be a witness to the world of what it means to serve a God that where there's always enough so we can be a people of blessing and generosity and encouragement even in moments of our own weakness and showing our vulnerability to others even in those moments being a blessing. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.